listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Rose. How's it going? Not bad. You know, I know that last time we chatted, we talked about cat decks. All the cat decks. All the meow. Well, it wasn't all of them because the next day, somebody gave me a tarot reading with another cat deck that I hadn't seen on our list and we didn't talk about. So I was like, really? How many more cat people decks and stuff are there out there? Don't ask that question. You don't necessarily want to know the answer. (laughs) True. But the point of it was, is that we did talk a lot about a lot of cat decks. And there are a couple of people out there who we're going to set some time aside to chat with in our future, uh, who've also created cat decks that we know and love. But in the meantime, I realized that there's a bunch of other stuff that had come out very recently that I know I was super excited about, and I think you are too. So I figured, hey, let's do a really quick catch up and keep this one short and sweet and just get it out to the people and say, here's some things we love and here's why we love them. And then people can fight us on it later. What do you think? I think that's a great idea because there's so much and yeah, it always keeps coming. It keeps coming and coming Coming. and yeah. Yeah. But you know, this is the joys and the wonders of people telling us, Hey, I'm putting out a thing in like four months, back it now. Or, Hey, I'm putting out a thing, pre-order it now. And so we do. And then it all comes around the same time, which is lovely. And uh, it made Samhain a very wonderful, ooh, I got all the shiny things for Samhain moment. No kidding. I was gone for Samhain. I went to St. Louis um, to hang with Hillary Hagerty and Melissa Sonova for a card slingers thingy, basically a two-day event of just teaching some tarot. And when I got home, all the things, all, all the, things. the things arrived. My desk was stacked with things and Monday was almost like Yule or Christmas and my birthday wrapped up together. It was great. Oh, lovely. Well then, what was the first thing you opened and that you're excited about? Oh, geez. I think the first thing I opened was the Oracle of Heaven and Hell. This was something I backed on Kickstarter. I heard in August, about it in August. Basically, it pairs the Anetian angels and demons together. So like with their seals of Solomon. Oh, wow. So it's, I don't know how I'm going to use this oracle yet. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Because it's literally the good side versus the evil side together on one card. And I have worked with some of the devils before, the demons before. So... I was like, I got to work with this. I got to, you know, figure this out. And I can see it possibly being used in banishing or attraction magic type stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, really, really deep ceremonial stuff. So this isn't like a beginner's deck at all. It's one of those things where I'm like, I got to even figure out how I want to use this. And it'll take some time. So right now that's just sitting on my shelf waiting for that time to me to invest in so I can figure out hey, demons and angels, what do you want to do in my life? Or how do you want to affect change in other people's lives? Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of the first thing I opened. Nice. But you knew it was coming and you were looking forward to it. Yeah, I knew it was coming, but I didn't realize how fast. And like I said, that pile of boxes. Another thing I got were tarot-inspired candles by 
country and, and candle, I think. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. So I got Fool, the Magician, and the High Priestess candles, and they are scented tin candles that you could use for burning in. Wow, yeah, you know, that sounds either really cool. with readings or not. So that was also kind of fun and a tarot-focused thing. The other stuff that I got wasn't really stuff focused here, but they were fun nonetheless to get. Like what? Now she's looking at me like, no, you can't just bring that up and not tell everybody. I am a junkie for journal covers. I use leech term A5 sized journals. And I also like the Moleskin Cahier stuff. So there's this person out there who goes by the company name of Imperfectly Perfect. And she mm-hmm. creates the most fabulous color designed journal cases in like uh, traveler style leather books. And I bought four in the past two months. Ah. So two of them came in. They oh, nice. one of them's just a wrapper for a standard journal. The other one will be a container for the cahiers, the soft cover moleskins that I like to use at like reader studios and stuff. So oh, cool. yeah, and I ordered another one because she came out with a recent tarot line. And I've been like, I've been waiting for this for years. And she and I have been working on a special tarot based cover for me. Yeah, I know. Whereas it's like, what, do, 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 I will put show notes. I will send links. I will do all the things. Don't worry about it. It's pretty amazing. She only opens up her store on Etsy one day a week. And that is on Sunday, usually around 1 p.m. Pacific to 2 p.m. Pacific. And then she keeps it open for as many minutes or hours that it takes to get X orders, which is the number she uses for what she can do in the next month or the next X time. But she, it's drawable items, and I pep them, and I collect them, and it's amazing. Like I said, I'll put stuff in the show notes, and it's kind of hard to see what she does, because when she takes down her store every week, it's hard to find what stuff looks like, but I'll try and see what I can do about finding a good area where everybody can look at the quality and the stuff of her product. I mean, it's, okay. it's drawable, and yeah... It's highly customizable, and yeah. once you dive into that rabbit hole, you'll want everything. She also has done like spell books, Alice in Wonderland themed things. She does like holiday themes. So right now, a lot of her winter or Yule Christmas stuffs coming out. Oh, neat. it's it's impressive. So yeah, that's the rabbit hole that you wanted me to go down to with that last box. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, well. In this more Samhain still time, and we're not quite gearing up to Yule just yet, I had been waiting on a book that I knew was coming, and it came out, and I received it right at the beginning of November, around the first or so, and it's The Morrigan, Celtic Goddess of Magic and Might from Courtney Weber, and it is fabulous. Now, mind you, I have other people who are Morrigan priestesses in my life, and we'll talk about that in my next discussion about what else I'm excited about that I just got. But this was just lovely. And it's really a nice dive into the mythology, and it puts it in a little bit more bite-sized chunks for some folks, especially some of us who are not quite ready to embrace the Morrigan, even though we love her crows. So it's just kind of a neat way to just get a, a little bit deeper dive into her mythos and Courtney went to Ireland, talked to a lot of the native people. She references them a lot, which is really important when you're talking about diving into a practice that is a living practice. It's not just, we used to do this. It's people are doing it now. 
And that's kind of important to note when you start getting into your paganism stuff, figuring out, is this something that somebody quote unquote did years ago that we're quote unquote revising? Or is this based on something that's actually happening now? And if that's the case, then it's really a good time to make sure to go check out the people who are natively doing these things still. And this book really touches on that. So I was really excited. And also, well, Courtney, we love Courtney. Yes, we do. And hopefully we can get her on the show sooner than later to be able to talk about this and some of the other books she has penned because she's written a couple other really good books. I read her Bridget book mm-hmm. and I'm really curious to read this one when I get around to having the time to read to so I can see what a after November. Yeah, after November, because I can't wait to see everything that you've just talked about, but also kind of because I'm a writer and I have that brain portion of me wanting to go, oh, I wonder how this compares to what she put in her Bridget book for structure and alignment to see. Right. Because her Bridget book was really good. And while I'm not a devotee or under Bridget's wing, it was a fantastic read to learn more about the history, the myths, and the way people invoke and use her in their own practice. So exactly. Really and, and I think you'll find that in this as well. Awesome. So that's kind of the beauty of it. I think it's a good bookend mm-hmm. to the Bridget book because Bridget is more fire and light and more the Morrigan is more dark and still fire, but dark magic. So that's kind of a nice balance, I think. So yeah. The other thing that I'm kind of excited about tarot specific is a couple of decks. And one of them I know you have. Mm-hmm. So I would love to say, let's talk a little bit about it, which is the This Might Hurt deck. Yes. And I think we both backed it on Kickstarter. Yeah. I got mine and I love the fact that I got the shiny edge on the print. So it's kind of like, I want to say it's not black, but it's like a steel color looking, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And when it sh- light shines on it, it even has kind of like a, an oil slick look to yeah. it. Yeah, that's the one I also backed because I really, well, I'm, I'm the elder goth here. I, or at least I like to call myself the elder goth. I like the darker edge stuff. I've seen decks that do pink or light pastel colors. And I know this deck did come with the ability to do a rainbow edging. But if you yeah. put a dark color in front of me, I'm going to pick the dark color all the time. So I also went with that. And I'm very, very pleased yeah. how this one turned out and how it feels in that hand. Yes. You know? It shuffles nicely. You don't need fanning powder. Thank you so much, Barbara, for that. To use it, and it, I think the images are super strong and hit pretty solidly. Yeah. I like that all of the knights are riding motorcycles. That yeah. hits, you know, the fact that I have been on a bike and I've tried to do motorcycling myself. You know, yeah. I love that idea of that modern aesthetic. Yeah. And the fact that even the chariot card is kind of on a motorcycle as well. And yeah. so it really does blend a good mixture of the Rider Waite Smith tradition, but bring really does to me, this is a wonderful and more perfect modern deck to work with. And it will be my daily draw deck for next month because yeah. I'm using a different, I used a different deck last and, month and I'm using something that we'll talk about eventually yeah. in this cast for this month. And the thing I love about it is it's the characters are diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you not only have white people and black people and Hispanic people, but you also have disabled people, which Mm -hmm. I thought was pretty good and helps acknowledge ableism that we have. And it also turns some of the images on its side 
and you look at it a little differently. My favorite card, or what I normally look at when I look at a deck, you know, I've got two or three that I look at, mm-hmm. but one of them uh, is the lover's card because it's my birth card. I'm not going to lie. It's the way I do it to see how people did it. And I just, I really love the fact that instead of it's two people looking kind of like they're kind of looking at each other, but they're kind of not, they're embracing, which I really love. And you still get that feeling of connection and joy, I think a little bit deeper, personally. And then, of course, there's the card I hate. And it's yeah. not its not my standard, hey, it's Ten of Cups. Hey, it's the sun. Actually, no. It is the Three of Swords in this deck. I love the fact that that is so visceral, mm-hmm. but I don't love it because it's the only one that has killing a swan is basically what it is. Uh, it's three swords in the heart of the swan. Yeah. Now, Jamie will remind me and has on many occasions, she's shaking her head at me, that, well, what about Stephanie Pullman Law's Shadowscapes? You like that? And I'm like, well, to be fair, I don't love the suit of swords in that because every card has a swan in it that's being done something to. Now, but that makes sense. My problem is is that this is the only swan in it that's and that's why it's like so gut punching because again swans are just these things that i find beautiful and i get that from one of my mentors anastasia she's she is the swan in my world so that's the other thing it's like that just that no you can't hurt my swan and you're hurting a swan no you can't hurt my anastasia don't do that and that's not how i normally see the three swords anyway i always look at it as overcoming pain and this is just Nope, there's no overcoming it. You're dead. And it's just kind of like, oh, ow, ow, no, ow, no. So that's, but then again, personal preferences, personal gnosis, sorry, but I had to say it. But other than that, this is a brilliant deck. Yes, I really, really liked it. I, you know, I know like a lot of these newer modern kind of rider weight clones, as we sometimes call them, come up from time to time. And sometimes I'm like, oh, maybe I do need a more modern deck. Mm-hmm. And I've never really bought a lot of them. I mean, I've looked at them online, mm-hmm. and honestly, sometimes you really do need to see them in person before you buy them. Mm-hmm. But this might hurt was the one that went made me go, ooh, gosh darn it, I'm going to get this one. Which was really surprising, because another deck that came out recently as well was the Modern Witch Tarot, which mm-hmm. is another kind of brighter weight modern revisioning of that. And when I saw that deck, I didn't like it as much. And I've seen both in person and online, so I did not back the Modern Witch Tarot. However, mm. Rose backed it, right? I did. And so you have both of them, I know, right in front of you. So I do, actually, yes. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and talk about the Modern Witch, and then All we right. get into you know, other stuff, too. Okay. So I also got the Modern Witch because, yes, modern take on the Rider Waite Smith. It is a Rider Waite Smith clone. However... It is definitely more diverse. It embraces modern living as we have it. I mean, it takes all of those images and puts them in a much more modern context. It started out with the artist who created the Ten of Swords. And it's the Ten of Swords with a woman, and she's laying on her side looking at her phone. And the original picture that went like viral online says, everything's fine. And, and there is a card of that if you want to use, replace your Ten of Swords with it. But the response that she got made her realize, okay, the world is kind of hammering, clamoring for this type of 
modernization of this deck. So she did. There are very few, if none, I think there are no officially male characters in here. I've forgotten because there are androgynous characters, but there's no one that's like super, super male. I was going to try and see, but even the Kings are more androgynous than anything else. And I think that's kind of an interesting take on it as well. And yeah, it's, they're all, they could be men, they could be women. We don't know. And that's okay. And I love the fact that, again, it's very diverse as far as uh, ethnicity goes. The thing I can say that they don't have, that the This Might Hurt has, is they don't have many obvious representations of disability uh, outside of maybe what looks like anxiety. Like the hermit is closing a computer. Like she's looking, closing herself off from the modern world to be able to look at other things. I mean, that's the one thing that I noticed is it's not, whereas the This Might Hurt does include more of that. Mm-hmm. It acknowledges ableism a little bit more directly, I think, than this one does. That doesn't mean that this is a bad deck, by the way. It just means it's different. So you just have to decide, pick them both up. I would, I think if you're a tarot collector, both of these are beautiful things to add to your collection. Both of them have good readability, in my opinion. They just have different views. And again, if we want to do a comparison of the Three of Swords, it's more traditional, but instead of bleeding, it's bleeding black, like tar, like just gook, but it's not an animal. So that kind of made me a little bit more happy, but it still acknowledges pollution. It acknowledges all of the things that are wrong in our life. So that's, you know, that's the balance. There is a motorcycle for Jamie on the Eight of Wands, but the knights are more traditional. I think they're all kind of riding ponies. Yeah, I think they're all or, or critters. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember because it's been about a week since I've seen it. Yeah, but again, I think that there's this is a very good, strong representation of our society as it stands today. Whereas the this might hurt, it touches on it and it, it gives us a little bit more again diversity and talking about our ableism. But the modern witch, I think, hits us in the woman power as well. Whereas the, the This Might Hurt kind of talks about other a different version of that modernism. They both are really great decks, I think. Anyway. But you have a book that I'm really curious about. And yes. The Pathworking the Tarot. Yeah, Pathworking the Tarot by Lisa Robertson. And I have been wanting this book for mm-hmm ever since Lisa Robertson and I started talking about it. And mm-hmm. she, she will tell you this, is, this was the hardest book she had to write. The book just fought with her, did not want to come out. And I really think it's a brilliant way to talk about pathworking. Mm-hmm. So pathworking to me has kind of two connotations. You pick a deck, let's say, like this might hurt. And then you do like a card study of the day or you really dive deep into what the image has in it, what the meetings is, how you can bond with it, how can you use it type Mm -hmm. of thing. That's one way to kind of see a path working. Mm -hmm. Lisa brings up another way, which is you have a goal or a dream, something Mm -hmm. that you want to kind of either bring to you or call from your life. So kind of like the ways I like to do tarot readings for clients So today was the last day of a 30-day Pathworking the Tarot challenge, where at day one, she invited us to pick a deck, 
So I've been using the Forest of Enchantment Tarot along with the Pathworking, the Tarot Book. Linnea Weatherstone and Marilla Alwood did an amazing job on their deck mm -hmm. where they literally put you on like the fairy tale path. And oh. then you get to see things as you wander this path in that deck. The other thing I loved is that the images on this deck, Alwood is a microscopic miniature painter. So ah. the cards themselves were literally drawn almost two size of a normal Llewellyn tarot deck. Wow. Maybe a little bit bigger, but not by much. We're talking like centimeters to one inch. Okay. So the artwork is amazingly detailed. It's very fantastical. And when you put it next to Pathworking the Tarot and on this plan that Lisa has, so I picked a goal because I started this halfway through October uh -huh. of trying to find more ideas for the book that I'm, book the second, which I'm currently working on for right. an event called NaNoWriMo, which I'll explain about that in a minute. So I started with that as the goal. Bring to me more ideas so that I can have a lot of stuff generated by the time I need to start writing this draft. Mm-hmm. And we started with the aces, worked our way numerically up through the tens. And instead of diving real deep into this, we pulled a single card. So you had to remove your aces, you remove your twos, et cetera, each day for 10 days. Sometimes I picked at random. Sometimes I picked face up on what and how this was going to affect my goal. At the end of that, we took some time to kind of just reflect on those 10 cards. And then we moved into the court cards. So page, knight, queen, king. And the thing about the Enchantress Forest deck is that almost every card has a different name to it. So you don't have wands, swords, pentacles, and cups. You have spells, uh, visions, boons, and challenges. Hmm. So... Combining the two together as you work through a goal, A, helps you learn this deck because mm -hmm. I did need the guidebook and I still kind of need the guidebook occasionally to help me unhook things like death isn't death in this deck. It's the black shook. I didn't know what a shook was. It's a particular critter that kind of brings out fears and okay. nightmares. So mm -hmm. you'll, you know, need the book. But pathworking through my goal using this deck really aligned. I was very surprised at how well the two blended together. Because again, as you're working down your goal, you're moving down that path. And this book is all about sights and people and things you'll see along the path. Oh, nice. So I loved this idea. I loved the idea of taking a goal or breaking something that you don't want in your life anymore down. And then using the decks in this way, in this style of pathworking, to really dig into changing your life. And it has done a lot of that for me. I'm getting up earlier. I'm spending less time futzing around and watching TV. I'm definitely focusing more on the draft. So that brings me to NaNoWriMo. Mm -hmm. November is this thing where it's called National Novel Writing Month, N-A-N-O-W-R-I-M-O. I've been doing this for about, since I was, uh, 2002, I did take seven years off, but it's literally a fun challenge for you or anybody that's ever wanted to write a book to put their butt in the chair and write a 50,000 word novel or nonfiction first draft in 30 days. So you write 1,666, 67 words a day, and by the end of it, you have a the end first draft of words that you can massage, edit, and revision 
for a hopeful publishing uh, either by yourself or traditional publishing. So basically December is national uh, novel editing month. Not for me. A lot of people will do that. What I like to do is take off all of November, all of December and read all the books that came out in November or play with all the decks that I have bought and just let that sit so that I can forget about what I wrote and then edit it in January. Okay. Well, some of us are not as good as you. Well, no, it's not. That's just my process because I truly believe that when you write, you need to kind of forget it so you can have something to re-envision. Plus, I've got other writing projects I need to kind of break out and work on in December and January anyway. So I can't imagine what that might be. No, I can't either. Two more <laughs> low score bio decks and all this other stuff. <laughs> cough, cough. Hey, look, there's a new thing that we should talk about now. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> so going into the other realms, if you will, I also received one, a book that I'd been waiting for and I'm slowly getting ready to dive into it, which is, while I am also trying to do my NaNoWriMo, which is going slower than some, but it's happening, is a book called A Practical Guide to Pagan Priesthood, Community Leadership and Vocation. And it's by Reverend Laura O'Brien. And I love Laura O'Brien. I'm not going to lie. They are someone I admire greatly. They have changed the face of how I do my magic. They have given me access to native voices of Ireland that I had no idea where to look for them in the first place. And I've never looked back. So when this was being discussed that it was coming out, it was, I was really looking forward to it because I want to know what I can give back to my community and priesthood is a way to do that. And again, you don't have to necessarily become in charge of a group. You can just, you know, work on ways that you can be more like a priest and in your everyday life. And that's the thing about this book. It's kind of split up into here's what this means. Here's how you can use it. For example, you know, it starts out with duties of a priest. So you have an idea of where Laura is coming from and the different types of duties. There's pastoral duties and then there's the sacerdotal duties in the second chapter. I mean, and that's just chapters one and two. And then it talks about community leadership and learning and teaching. And that's in section two, because it does, it tells you about these two options. And then it taught you how to actually turn around and make them part of your daily devotions and such. So I think that if you are, have any interest in being a better effective leader in your community as a pagan, this is a great book for you. And it will really give you some practical knowledge and some some tools that you may not realize that you needed to really get going with this. And that's why I'm really looking forward to being able to really dive deep into it coming up throughout November and also into December and January, because then I can actually be done with my book and and move forward. Writing, that is, not any of these books. So, you know, just it's something if you're interested in, I would recommend highly. I know that after I saw you and a few other friends had purchased it on the Facebooks, I went ahead and added it to my wish list. So that might be something I also read next month, you know, or we can end up doing like a small book group or something together and read through everything and kind of discuss through it. Mm -hmm. And I think actually that you might get a lot out of it, but not because of strengthening what you believe. That was the other thing about this. It's not just about going out and preaching to the masses. 
It's about looking at how you can take your particular path and then expand that in your everyday life as well. And how do you do more with what you've got in your head? And, you know, here's an altar. And then what? You know, that kind of stuff. Talk uh, a little bit about that. So, yeah, I'll be buying this and probably using it to help edit my book, too, because now this is because this is touching on stuff that I'm like, yep, daily everything. Darn it. Yeah. Well, and we all need to get back into our daily practices. I know I have my of a weekly practice. I need to make it more mm-hmm. of a daily practice. But again, we all build and we need to give ourselves permission to build. So anyway, that's, I think... All the quick things. Did you have any more? That, did I miss a thing? Yeah, I have two more decks that I'd like to just kind of briefly touch Please. on. One of them I have not had any time to play with just because trip in, in October and then November came snuck up on me. Mm-hmm. As we've been talking throughout the past episodes, I've been looking at various Oracle decks because reasons and just for some reason, this is the era of the Oracle for me. I just want to buy stuff and learn more about them and their systems. And who knows, maybe eventually I'll be <laughs> creating something at some point or another. The Tarot Visions Oracle. Maybe, maybe. I, it's, yeah, but I'm, yeah, there's another one that I, I, I know. So I went out and I got a copy of the Sacred Earth Oracle. And this is a Blue Angel publishing deck. Okay. The Blue Angel kind of partners up with Llewellyn, but from what I can tell, they do mostly Oracle decks. And sometimes they're between 35 to 55 cards, and they're usually oversized. But this one is supposed to design to enhance your understanding of yourself by enriching your knowledge of the Earth and all the life that Earth kind of does. And I grabbed this one because it brought out certain qualities and suggestions like expectation, influence, heart, perspective, potential that I've been kind of playing with in my own life. So I like the idea of, again, setting intentions for the day and Oracle decks. Some of them are really, really good for this sort of intentional work where you pull a day, you read the card, like dedication. Okay. I will dedicate myself to either the topic at hand or something to do during that day. So I'm really looking forward to reading the book, figuring out what and how I can incorporate those ideas mm-hmm. into my own practice, as well as some other stuff that I'm working on. Cool. I've always got things on the back burner in my head, so I'm always teasing everybody with, hey, just you wait. More stuff just you wait. Well, what, else is, what else did you find? The last thing, I actually got pinged by a promoter from Wiser Books, and she sent me out a copy of the Alchemical Visions Tarot. Ooh. Have you ever heard of this one yet? No, tell me more. I've heard of alchemical tarot decks, but not this one specific. This one is interesting. I had, I wasn't sure about it at first, and then the thing arrived. It is huge. This yeah. it's like a five by seven deck. So yeah, it's yeah. She's holding Rose is holding up her hands like wow. That's that's like you know almost a paperback size, and it mm-hmm. is. The cards are big. But they're billing it as 78 Keys to Unlock Your Subconscious Mind. And it is by a gentleman named Arthur Tossig, T-A-U-S-S-I-G. Again, show notes will have all the information. And the cards are kind of an interesting mix of old-fashioned alchemical imagery. And certain parts of the images themselves are colored in. So it's like it's a weird mix of black and white mm-hmm. backgrounds showing like cathedrals and then body parts or other alchemical medical things on it Hmm. and I'm looking at this deck and I'm 
not sure I personally would be able to read with this, but I see this as a very serious occult style deck. Okay. Slash alchemical for those that are really big into alchemical studies, as in not necessarily, you know, turning lead into gold, the old, aka what all the old philosopher's stone was, but to really turn the lead into your gold, you mm. know, going deep with you and what your alchemical processes are. So I've got to, again, set time aside to read the handbook and then play with the decks, and then I will have a review on this deck and what exactly I've uncovered, what I feel it can do for somebody on my website. Yeah, I'm not used to seeing cards that large. Do you have one of the cards in front of you, Jamie, anywhere near you? Um, yeah, let me go get one. Hang okay. on. Yeah, so I'm showing Rose how big these cards wow. are. Wow. Oh, oh, I've okay, I have heard of this deck now that I'm looking at the images. Yeah. They it's are about, as big as her head, by the way. Yeah, legitimately as big as my head. And it's they're, hard to Yeah, they're very wow. But the box is huge. Oh like, yeah, I can imagine. Oh yeah, that's that is large. Yeah, it's it's amazingly it's beautiful. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen cards this large before. And there are a lot of really good bigger size decks. This mm-hmm. one happens to be the biggest one I've ever seen, so to speak. Okay. And I really think that this deck, I don't think Arthur really meant for it to be a like, let's go to an event or let's just do a light reading. I really yeah. think this is a study deck, something along the kin of the Spirit Keeper's Tarot, where this is a lifelong lesson deck of really getting yeah. into the alchemicalness of the process of turning lead into gold mm-hmm. in yourself and really working with each card and I what see. it says and how to do every, all the processes. I mean, it is a full deck. It's not just a majors only deck. Yeah. It's, it's massive. It's kind of hard for me to hold with just one hand. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. I can see. Like, yeah, the yeah, this is the really beauty of, of, of Jamie and I, you know, being able to talk to each other and show each other things. Sorry, listeners, you can't see it. But like I said, she held it up one card next to her head, and it is actually as big as her head from chin to forehead. Yeah, it is a big deck. And from what I'm seeing, and, and now that you've shown me which one it is, because the name didn't jump, but the yeah. images did, I have heard good things. But again, I think it really, you need to really be into the alchemical aspect of things to really get all of the nuance that this deck might have. So I look forward to reading your review and we will definitely put it in show notes and other places once you've done it. Well, it may not go into show notes for this show, but it will go out and we will advertise it. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm shooting for next month. Here's my accountability thing for the episode. I'm hoping to be able to kind of have some time to play with this at towards the end of November and then get a review of it, hopefully by December. And I do know that there might be a discount for listeners or for people that read that post from Wiser themselves. They have offered something. I just need to get that post up there. So hang in there, stay tuned. And yeah, look for these things that we've been kind of talking about. And I know I think Rose has one or two more things she wants to talk about. I was going to just mention that while you're out in the world and looking at things, I'm not going to do a review of it right now, but I will tell you that the woman who created the Crow Tarot has created the Wise Dog Tarot. And it, I also kickstarted this, if you will. The art is lovely. If you are a dog person, this is going to be a deck for you. I think that it is just as good as the Wise Dog 
one that came out or the not the wise dog what was it the mystical dogs tarot I yes think it was yes by from Mickey uh, Miller yeah. I think they are really both very good dog decks but again we'll do a dog deck episode but I wanted to just mention it really quick because it is one that I am trying to work with and seeing how it reads I liked that you snuck that in there though and you're not even real maybe you realize what I'm, what I'm hinting at but I like that you snuck that it was a very good dog deck Am I a good dog? I'm I'm not sure. What what did I miss? I, I You said that the um the wise dog tarot is a very good dog deck. You know how we talk to dogs and we say that they're all good dogs? <laughs> this is a very good dog deck. So I yeah. Sorry listeners, I had to point that out because I thought it was adorable and I caught it. And all dogs are good dogs. So hey listeners, now dogs bring them up. You're a very good puppy. Good good beast. Good boy. Good girl. Good dog. I love you. All right. That's it for today. I think we will be putting out more things and more stuff coming up. Have a great rest of your November, my friends. And if you're writing Nano, let us know. We'll cheer you on to 50,000 words. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions. 